You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 350. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 350. You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Well, hello, my love. Well, hello. (laughs) Welcome back to the mic. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Better than I have been the rest of the week. It's pretty swampy out here. Yeah, it really is. It's, you know, we had a great long spring. Yeah. Um, but summer is definitely here. Yeah, it's. And then this is the trip about North Carolina. It, it'll be gorgeous outside. And yeah. then all of a sudden, torrential downpour for like 15 minutes. Yeah. And then gone. Totally. <laughs> it's like tropical. It's so bizarre. And you can go shopping. Or go anywhere, really. And people who weren't prepared for that, they just wait under the shelter of the store for the rain to stop. Everybody's just just kind of looking at their watch. Yeah, they're just kind of like, they know it's, they're like, okay, again with your bullshit. Right. All right, fine. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how, yeah, that's summer in North Carolina, baby. I know. A lot of times we're like, this fucking state. (laughs) This fucking state. This fucking state. So we have a pretty serious topic that... Speaking of the fucking state of things. Yeah. Nice segue. You like that? I do. And we're going to be talking about being better, doing better. We're going to talk about whiteness and anti-racism. I will say at the very top of the show that this is really for uh, white individuals. So this is me as a white person talking to other white individuals. If you are someone who considers themselves uh, black, indigenous, or a person of color, commonly referred to as BIPOC, the acronym, you are absolutely welcome in this space. But I do feel very strongly that in this climate, BIPOC BIPOC really truly needs to take care of their own mental health. And sometimes conversations like this are another heavy added layer that Mm -hmm. you really just don't have to carry. But you are, of course, welcome. I just want to say that off the top. Please be mindful of your own self-care and your own uh, health and what you can or can't carry at this time. Uh, That's a really good disclaimer. Yeah. I think a lot of, at least I've been calling everybody I know that considers themselves people of color. And I've been just having conversations with them. And that's one of the things that they say is... It's just, they're kind of numb to it at this point. Yeah. You know, it's how they live every day. Right. And, and now white people are all woke now and uh, <laughs> well, so, trying to be <laughs> right. And it's 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 exhausting us. And it's been two weeks. Well, you know? and it, I heard a really interesting perspective around um, there. There are so many black individuals in, in particular who have a myriad of white friends based off of just population, yeah. how things are. Right. So if if as a white person, you're like, oh, let me check in with, with the black people that I know, guess how many white people are checking in with them <laughs> and who are all of a sudden saying, 
send me all the resources. Tell me how I can help. Tell me what I can do. And they're getting bombarded from all these people in the middle of dealing with a massive grief episode that is pulling up all of our historical trauma. Mm -hmm. Like that's a lot to carry. So yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, we'll talk a lot about that, but uh, why don't why don't we do a little, a little lighten it up a, a, little, a little light bit. light note here before we jump in? All right, to lighten it up, we'll do a little segment we like to call. Would you rather? Today's would you rather is would you rather enthusiastically celebrate Thanksgiving every day or New Year's Eve every day? Well, that's going to be very interesting because I actually have something to say about Thanksgiving in <laughs> in, in, in my oh, content for today. Okay. So it's actually very fitting. I I take issue with Thanksgiving I already right. because of the whitewashedness of it. <laughs> yeah. So I – but then I get pretty wasted on New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you had to celebrate it every day, New Year's Eve would be a very different thing. Yeah. I – but I mean, you said okay. enthusiastically. Enthusiastically. Okay. So it would be like Groundhog Day. Okay. And my liver, I don't think, could take it. Ah. I don't know. You don't have the liver of a groundhog? But then also, I can't, because I'm so particular about what I consume as far as meat, <laughs> it would be a carb fest all damn day. Yeah. It'd be like stuffing and potatoes. You'd and be a little lumpy. I would be a chunk of monk. <laughs> um, little cherub. Which is not... I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, like, I think I'd those, be those that amount of calories would definitely uh, add some weight to you. Man, I think I'm going to have to go with New Year's. I think I am too because I have trouble with Thanksgiving, first of all, and there's so much food. Yeah, so much during Thanksgiving food. that it would be hard for me to stay on any kind of diet. Yeah, at all. Well, Where New Year's, I feel like I could. Um, have a few drinks, enjoy it, and then be good to go the next day. I could still be diet conscious and it would fuck my sleep pattern up though. Well, I also have to think that Thanksgiving almost always I'm navigating some sort of family bullshit mm-hmm. and doing my part to walk my talk and all of that. New Year's, I'm optimistic as fuck. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I've got, you know. It's less triggering. Little did we know. <laughs> 2020 was going to be... This is our year. Yeah, it sure is. But you know what? I really do think it is getting conversations going that people have been easily able to bypass. I'm very optimistic about it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Hopeful. I'm I'm really hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into that a bit. But what would you decide? You're going New Year's? I'm going New Year's for sure. What are you going? I'm going New Year's as well. Okay. Uh, Okay. Caveat. Yeah. Before y'all start chiming in, okay. you cannot celebrate New Year's Eve early and go to bed at 10. You've <laughs> got to be up for the count. And okay. Thanksgiving, you've got to eat like you would normally eat on Thanksgiving. Okay. You can't like, well, I'm just going to cut this out. And what what was it for a year? Just in uh, every thir- day. Just for the rest of your life? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Okay, for a year. <laughs> See, guys, I have some sway over would you rather. (laughs) I have some sway. All right. One year, the rest of your life, what does it matter at that point? Oh, my gosh. Well, at least I could go. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to be drinking every single day either. Right. That's a really tough one for me. But on Thanksgiving, I typically drink and And eat eat like crazy. So, 
Yeah. Plus, navigating conversations, tough conversations every day would be really tough. It's true. All right. So we would love to hear what you would rather. We talk about this every Monday over in our After Hours community. After Hours. Good job, Smitty. Nice. And you can very easily join us. It's our Facebook community. And it's over at thejoyjunkie.com slash club. That will redirect you right over to our little corner of Facebook. Facebook. Oh, my God. <laughs> like my hype man. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. Just after hours. That's all we needed. That's all we needed. But it's a really incredible group, a great community. And we've been talking a lot about stuff that's been happening with current events that we're going to discuss a little bit today. And it's it's just a really lovely, beautiful, supportive group. It's lovely. And, and yes. I run a tight ship so nobody's like promoting their – fucking leggings or face creams yeah Yeah. none of that none of that Mm -hmm. ridiculousness all right so let's talk about some of this stuff here let's do it let's just do it first off i want to say that i feel as though my role in this whole uh wave of new of of sort of this awakening that's happening is specifically to speak to other white individuals i'm not at all going to stop at this episode, but I also want to be very mindful that we don't need a bunch more white voices in the mix. I think we need to really, truly be listening to BIPOC. And I also heard a recent, uh, something that was new to me too, which was stop referring to black people as people of color. And that's one of the reasons why that acronym came about so that there was a distinction between black, indigenous, and then people of color. Kind of like LGBTQ kind of thing. Exactly. And so who knows? That will probably um, change as as we continue to grow. But those are little things that as I've been learning to pay attention, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, cool. Good to know. Now I can shift and change. So – I do intend to do a series. I'm not exactly sure what it's going to look like as of yet. I am going to be asking for your suggestions, things that you want to know as white individuals who genuinely want to be better and want to have these tough conversations and want to own our responsibility in in the journey and in this process. And I want to hear from you, and I want to know, I want to call in experts and do somewhat of a of a, like a social justice anti racism series with people who are legitimate experts in the field that are either black, indigenous, or persons of color that yeah. we can learn from and kind Absolutely. of expand. So the first thing that I wanted to mention as we go into this is this whole process is not about winning at white. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, this is not no, about wow. It'd be wow. Wow. This is not about winning it white. So everything that I'm sharing with you, I want to be really clear that this is not brave. This is not necessarily uh, for applause. I don't need a cookie. None of that stuff. This is genuinely about uh, a reckoning and an awakening of mm-hmm. shit that, quite honestly, we've never had to look at because the system is set up for us. Right. And now we're being called forth in a way, and I'm so grateful, and I'm seeing 
that social media and our access to one another is and, and even just the stuff with police brutality and things being filmed yeah. we're starting to be able to communicate and understand one another in such a different way that's never existed in history so before yeah. and i think that's really important that that we start to do this and I, i'll be really honest with you i have agonized over this episode so much Absolutely. and how do i get it right what do i you know and then i kind of realized you know what? You're going to get it wrong. You're going to get shit wrong because guess what? Your ass is white and <laughs> you don't know all of the things. But my responsibility is to is to not let my silence make me a liar. Mm-hmm. And to, Which is part of one of your values. That's right. Sure. And to come out and say, here's where I'm at. And with that, that I'm really willing to hear anyone out who's like, hey, uh, that wasn't cool or this is an insensitive thing or whatever. I'm always willing to learn from from BIPOC. And that being said, too, I am sharing what I have garnered and what I've gathered over the last handful of years. And I do not at all pretend that I am speaking for them, right, of for course. BIPOC. Like I am just talking from my experience and what I've learned. Yeah. So I – I'm going to point you towards resources where you can actually learn from from BIPOC and uh, take responsibility for your own education. That's great. But I think it's also important that somebody, you know, as a leader, I think it's my responsibility to, like, be out of the anti-racism closet. And for a long time, I felt like – for a long time, I truly felt that we don't need another white voice in the mix – and there was a lot of narrative. This is sort of my my second point of where I've gotten it wrong is is not addressing it on my platform. And there for a long time, I felt like a lot of the the narrative that I was seeing was, you know, white people just shut the fuck up. We don't need to hear from you. And so I was really standing back and learning. <laughs> and I also didn't want to bring anything to my podcast that wasn't educated, you know, yes. that that was another element of white fragility, mm-hmm. another like, woe is me, poor me. So uh, I've spent a handful of years really studying and looking at things, and I'm continuing to do that. I'm about to take a social justice course that I'm really excited about. But I think there's a very strong tie to not wanting to get things wrong and not wanting to overstep things and privilege, Right. Because I could very easily st- not say anything in my business and nothing would ever change. That's yeah. the epitome of privilege. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you and I have been discussing is how this whole idea of not bringing politics into or not bringing social issues into the workplace, like, oh, we don't discuss that, uh, is the epitome of fucking privilege that, for things to not change. Yeah. I agree with most of that. Take my business, for instance. Yeah. I'm working in a room with somebody for an hour, and it's time for them to check into their body. Right. It's time for them to be a little more introspective. And having those discussions at work, for me, wouldn't be proper in most cases because that's not what they're there for. And not to say that that's privilege, but it's it's, it's just just, the situation doesn't call for it. Yeah, I – with the exception of and this is one of the big pieces that I think is our role is when shit gets said. It's oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. one thing if somebody is 
like, you know what? I just want to decompress. I don't want to talk about anything right now. And for you to be like, let me tell you about my agenda, you know, that I totally agree with you. But if someone says something, this is where the whole don't let your silence make you a liar. And you've been brilliant at that. That's Uh, been Yeah, I feel like I'm pretty good at that one. Your conversations have really been showing up is Mm -hmm. when people make – because people make snide fucking comments all the time. Well, it's it's also on the forefront of everyone's conversation right now. Right. Everybody's talking about some form of pandemic – social issue of some sort. So right. it's very easy to broach the conversation at this point because it's so in in our faces. Right. Right? Everybody's involved right now, no matter if you're, you know, at, at all connected to the media or to other people, you see that there's protests going on and that there's big things happening. Right. So it's it's very much something that's been spoken of. In, in, but if somebody came in and said something that I felt was racially inappropriate, I would call them out immediately. And you sure. have. And you've had – you also have specific clients who they don't check out, that they do converse with you during the entirety of their massage. Yes. And – I do. And those have yielded some really great conversations. Very much so. Yeah. So – I think, you know, and it there's also a very extreme tether for me between a lot of the concepts in personal development that bypass BIPOC. You know, for example, I've seen a lot about this lately, about the idea of you create your own reality and how mm. dismissive that is to people who who don't have whiteness to fall in under and how it totally that can totally negate the systems of oppression that are still a part of our society absolutely that makes sense like the way our prison system is set up Mm -hmm. like the way our police force is set up a lot of that stuff is not just about thinking positive and things changing so it (laughs) can be incredibly detrimental yeah and then it compounds the effect of saying almost like well, there's something extra wrong with you if you can't just create your own reality. Mm-hmm. So it's it's first of all dismissive and then another slam in the face of like you're responsible. So it's things like that that I feel really convicted to understand as a white individual so that I can show up in the personal development space in a much more inclusive way. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so in that being said, I want to just share a little bit about my own journey in hopes that it will be helpful for all of you, because I I come to stuff on the pod and share things on the pod when when I feel like I have a lot of clarity on them, right? Yeah. But there has been a myriad of times in the last handful of years where I grappled with social justice issues. I remember hearing the first concept of white fragility. And I was like, what do you mean we're fragile? What do you mean? Or even white privilege. I had so much kickback around that because I grew up in a very, very lower middle-class family where things were, we struggled quite a bit. Sure. And I didn't understand what that statement was actually saying. And it wasn't until... I had really deep, thoughtful conversations with other white people who were actually farther along than I that I kind of went, oh, 
I see. And the same has happened with a lot of the other hot button terms and things white that supremacy. White I always supremacy, tied white supremacy yeah. to KKK. Yeah, the KKK and lynchings and things like that. Right. But it doesn't just mean that. And lynching is another one. It does not just mean um hanging. Right. Right? Like there's all these things that again have been our privilege to not learn. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going, okay, now it's not just privilege, it's responsibility to learn. Yeah. It's similar to kind of how I felt when when I found out how our meat was produced in Sure. You know, I I watched a documentary about how we consume and slaughter animals and I couldn't unsee it. And so it didn't matter if I was going to the fair and I just really wanted this corn dog, you know, (laughs) that luxury no longer was acceptable when I understood what was really happening. And I know that that is a ridiculous comparison to how huge this issue is between white and black America. But it was that similar concept of, I can't unsee this. Now I recognize what my responsibility is. Mm -hmm. And I need to use my voice as a white woman talking to other people who are white, who may not have the incredible access to to learning from BIPOC or might not be willing, which is unfortunate, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling... um... Your audience is going to be pretty open to this one. Well, that's you that know? is one thing that I've been incredibly encouraged by is you know, with all of my groups that I run right now, everybody has been interested in being better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that makes me super grateful, and there's a lot of frustration that's happening inside of that. But that's it, it's also because this relationship is incredibly different. It's a different relationship than we've ever had to navigate. And I'm going to talk about that in a second here. But one of the things that I did want to say around, you know, my own personal journey is I can look back at all of these very pivotal moments where I was like, oh, that's what privilege is. Oh, that's why all lives matter is really offensive. Oh, you know, because there's stuff like that, like, oh, I don't see race or mm-hmm. all lives matter. That, no color lines. Yeah. Right. That are seemingly an innocuous idea, especially if you're tossing them around with other white people. Mm-hmm. But when you are educated on that, like, oh, OK, so all lives matter is like somebody uh, I just had a conversation with somebody about this the other day where they shared that with me they said I just feel like all lives matter and I could feel myself bristling (laughs) I could feel myself getting hot but then I'm like okay remember your role your role right now this person may never speak to another person of color yeah they may never speak to a black person you have the opportunity right now to educate and inform so I said you know, I can totally appreciate why that seems really innocuous. It, se- it seems like a no-brainer, like, of course all lives matter. But the reason why that falls as an uh, as a really offensive term is because when you – it's almost as if, let's say, you were battling breast cancer and you were going to do a march to raise money for breast cancer awareness and – you go to a friend of yours and you say, 
listen, I've been really struggling with this disease. It has really affected my life in so many ways. It would mean a lot to me if you would sponsor my jogathon or whatever, or if you would be a part of this. And they said to you, yeah, but all diseases matter. Right. All cancer matters. All can- Yeah, all types of cancer matters. Right, right. And that – so being able to explain that to somebody from a very non-defensive, non-aggressive place, like – and that's one of the big problems is we're like, I want to win it white, so I'm going to school you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like All Lives Matter is coming from a place of naivety. It, well, you know, I think it also comes from a place of white fragility. Like that, yeah. that it's somehow yeah. threatening to me. Yes, and I think that's part of why they're naive is because they've blocked themselves off from – seeing these things or thinking right. that they're a part of reality. Right. Uh, and it makes you fragile because when you see it, you can't unsee it. Right? That's right. So they try not to. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I do have some more thoughts about that that I think will be helpful to kind of shift some perspective. Okay. But it, with regards to that, sharing that with that person, she went, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I had – I've never heard it explained that way. So I said, of course, all lives matter, but they can't matter until black lives matter. But even that statement, people don't that they don't register it until you show sort of an example of here's why that's offensive. It's somebody it's somebody basically on the ground dying, saying, please pay attention to how we're dying. And you saying, yeah, but everybody, everyone's life matters. It's like, yeah, but ours is in danger right now. That's why we need your attention. Right. I do think that there's also this white savior thing happening where we go and – and I found myself doing this too – where I judge other white people for not knowing yet. Mm -hmm. And I have to remember like there was a time when I didn't know. Right. And thank God somebody ushered me in instead of was vitriolic with me. Yeah, wagging her finger at you. Exactly. Which do not get me wrong. That's why I think it's that's what our role is, because BIPOC is fucking exhausted. (laughs) That has been the overall consensus that I've seen across the board is like educate your own ass. Please stop turning to us for everything. All you've got to do is Google it. All you've got to do is check out a few Insta accounts and you will have a myriad (laughs) of resources. Right, right. And so anyway, so I share that with you because I do think that it's important for us to be understanding of where other people are instead of accusational about where they are. I just had um, a situation happen on Facebook. And this is where the whole grace and kindness thing comes in. Because I truly believe that that's how we affect change is through grace and kindness. And at the same time, I fully understand why BIPOC is like, especially black individuals are like, Dude, that doesn't fucking work. Grace that doesn't has not worked. That's not right. even coming close to working, right? So, and please don't tell me it's called tone policing. Please do not tell me how to feel or how to not be upset. Or Martin Luther King was a very grace and kindness person, and, and he got fucking killed for it, right? <laughs> you know, like so. Yeah, sometimes grace and kindness doesn't work. I get it. Well, and I mean, to the point of a lot of the the police brutality stuff that we've talked, we've seen now, that is all grace and kindness. Mm-hmm. And that ends up with death. And, and like with George Floyd, mm-hmm. I, I I watched that video, horrifying video. Yeah. When I watched that video, he was saying sir right. and calling for his mom. Right. Up to the end. 
he never was like, get off my neck, motherfucker. Or right. it, he never got violent or, you know, yes. had vitriolic words. It was all just like right. grace and kindness. And that, you know, and that's <laughs> you know? why I feel that there is a very real place where grace and kindness doesn't work. Yeah. However, when we are as white individuals having conversations with other white individuals who we know are likely going to be fragile as fuck mm. around this mm-hmm. and already defensive, if we want to be heard, we have to approach it in a way where we can be heard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So anyway, okay, number three. <laughs> I'm only at number three. On three? Oh, uh, gosh. Well, how many do we have? I've got six, but they're not all super long. Okay, I'll try to back off a little bit when you talk. <laughs> no, I, re- I, ap- <laughs> I appreciate hearing your perspective. I think it's good. Okay. Um, and so number three is perfectionism and anti-racism. This is an, an interesting. interesting concept that I've been seeing getting kicked up a little bit where we are so afraid of not being perfect in this way. This is the whole winning at white. Okay. Like, and, and this was truthfully, my recovering perfectionism had me waiting on saying anything until now, you know, doing an episode specifically on that. Again, I felt like we don't need another white voice, but it was, I don't want to get it wrong. I don't Mm -hmm. want somebody to call my ass out. You know what, guys? Like, it's time for our asses to get called out. It's time for us to pipe the fuck down and listen to people who have a different cultural experience than us and actually listen. One of the things that I've done personally is the instant I feel a surge of defense, I that's my clue in to just stop and be mm. quiet because that's my fragility kicking in. <laughs> so it just stop for a second and then think, what am I not hearing? Because I'm immediately going to defensiveness. What am I not hearing? I think we, and, we, we could do that with white people too. You know, when we're talking with white people, whenever we get that defensive moment, what am I not hearing from this person? Right. Right. Well, because we do know that nobody creates change unless they feel understood. I mean, that is a very clinical understanding of human behavior. We know that if you want to affect change with somebody else, they have to feel as though you are hearing them. Right. So that's why I think that's our role with other, you know, white individuals. Okay, so being willing to learn is incredibly important and also understanding the correlation between perfectionism and approval, because I Mm. think for those of us who are approval seekers or um, achievement junkies or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, Mm -hmm. we want to win at white. We want somebody to go, oh, how brave of you. Oh, that was so good for you to do that. Mm-hmm. But you guys, it's what should never have happened be... in the first place. Right, right. So don't expect approval. Don't expect a cookie. Don't <laughs> expect BIPOC to teach you everything. It's about our own responsibility to educate. And I'm going to tell you what you can actually do about that. Okay. But here's what I want to say. This is number four. Why this relationship is different. This relationship between white individuals and black individuals, specifically in America, is one of abuse. It's an abusive relationship, one in which the pattern of abuse 
is so pervasive and sort of this white supremacy or you know like the white the reason why when you check a box about, about race white is the first one <laughs> right, right that's right. what i mean by white supremacy it's like white it, it, you know it took forever till we had any type of diversity in advertising because it was white first. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by it is the first. Not or they were playing Asians. All whites were playing blacks, right? That's why blackface is so offensive. Right in in theater, in, right? Yeah, and, and in movies and things like that because of white supremacy. They wouldn't put a person of that yes race or ethnicity into that role. That's right. <laughs> right. That's white supremacy. And so when I say white supremacy, what that means is the system that we operate under, not that we're all running around in KKK hoods right. wanting to to hurt other people. Right. Not that, but that it's an, a, a structure that we've operated under. So yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I think one of the things that's really happening with this awakening and a lot of the white individuals who are stepping up to the plate and learning right now is they are coming to terms with the fact that they just realize that they are the role of the abuser. Mm. So imagine you've been, I mean, this is what we've been operating under. And we're now reckoning with, holy fuck, I'm the abuser. Mm-hmm. I've wanted a cookie for <laughs> winning at white when that wasn't even something I should have had to do to begin with. Because right. the playing field should have been even. So... That's the big thing that I think we need to understand is that this relationship is one that was rooted in abuse. So when we come at BIPOC or black individuals and say, well, what about this? Well, what about that? That's like the, you know, the abusive person in the relationship gaslighting you. Mm. Mm -hmm. So we have to remember that. Equality is very, very different than equity, and I'm not going to get into that right now. But I loved this statement from uh, Desiree Attaway. She said, when I say all white people are racist, I am not specifically talking about your character. I am talking about your socialization. Mm. Mm. So I think, again, that's where we get like, I'm not a racist. I'm not a, you know, and it's like, no, no, no. And we're not talking like you're a, an asshole who, who wants to hurt people. Right. We're saying the system in which you reside and in which you thrive is one that was set up for white people. Absolutely. Did you look something up? Uh, I was curious what the definition of supremacy was. What'd you find? Uh, it says the state or condition of being superior to all others in authority, power, or status. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that makes sense. Right. But we think of white supremacy as white hoods and a burning cross. Right. That's right. That's kind of what we think of. But it's very different. It just means that, you know, and and that's something that I've been talking about, too, is, you know, black people have been treated as second class, third class citizens. Right. That's supremacy. Well, I mean, even if you look at who has made our laws in this world, in this in this country, old white men who have been our presidents, old white men. Right. Who is a majority of Congress? Old white men. That's right. Yeah. That's. Supremacy. Yes. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) All right. So just sharing that when we're talking about this relationship, it is a different kind of relationship, even than when I give you guys advice about tough conversations necessarily. You know, there are things that that I have shared um, on this pod that would not apply to this relationship. 
One of them, for example, is you are responsible for your intention, not your reception. Mm. There is a lot of good white intention out there that is doing a lot of damage and yeah, harm yeah, that yeah. we have to be responsible for. It doesn't apply in an abusive relationship. Yeah. And I also think that's why it's important that we have these conversations as white individuals so as not to emotionally labor people of color because it's also a huge reckoning to go, holy fuck, I'm the abuser. Mm -hmm. Especially when you consider yourself a compassionate human or, you know, and a kind person. Right. All right. So what does that mean? What's next? Okay. So this is what is our role as white individuals? This is number five. We have got to look at this as a viable issue that we are a part of and responsible for, that we are responsible for our own education. Now, again, I don't think this is a direct correlation, but it's similar. I have often said to you, women need the evolved man, particularly the evolved white man, to speak up on behalf of women because there will always be people who will not listen to a man or listen to, to, a, to a woman, woman right. there's always going to be those dudes who can hear wisdom from a white man but not from a white woman yes. so it doesn't matter y'all how <laughs> many amazing activists there are out there for for feminism we need men to be on board to talk to the audience who will never listen to the woman mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think that that is where our education in relationship to anti-racism and whiteness and our own privilege is so incredibly important so that we can then be that voice with other white individuals. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Because much of our education <laughs> has been whitewashed, if not <laughs> all of it. I mean, think yeah. about what we were taught about Quite Thanksgiving. Literally. That is not what happened for Thanksgiving, y'all. Right. <laughs> yeah. They were... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like if you are interested at all in in a really thoughtful, true history of the United States, I would really encourage you to pick up the book, The People's History of the United States. Basically what it is, is it's a, an account as clearly as can be made possible from people other than white individuals about mm. how this country came to pass. What's it called again? The People's History of the United People's States. History of the United States. And who wrote that? I actually don't have that on me. Oh, okay. Will you look it up for I me? I was curious. I thought people might want to know so they know if they pick up the right one. I am notoriously bad about that. Yeah. Me too. So if you can fact check that, that'd be great. You got it. So that is one of the places that we can start is by reading, by looking at anti-racism resources. That's huge. I'm going to link to one page that you can go to that is a bunch of anti-racism resources for white people that I think could be really, really helpful for you, especially if you're overwhelmed with the kind of the onslaught of this article and that article and this book and that book. Mm -hmm. This is a great link. You can just click on it and pick one. But start with reading. Yeah. Start with doing your own unpacking individually. Who is it by? People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn, Z-I-N-N. -N. Oh, that's right. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah, that is a great, great place. It's I'm big. I mean, it's it. We it's might even audible. still have a copy. I can't remember if I do or not. Oh yeah. All right. So our role: donations, social justice classes. Google it. Um, get involved with organizations. 
you can also go to um, uh, there's an implicit bias quiz by Harvard. And if you go to implicit.harvard.edu, you can check your own biases mm. against able-bodied people versus non-able-bodied individuals. You can look at various biases against religions, against age, you can, and obviously of people of lighter skin, darker skin. And it's very, very telling, especially if you've found yourself in the camp of, oh, I don't need that. I'm not racist. Oh, <laughs> oh I, I think everybody's equal. Oh, I, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that, that might be part of the problem. I think everyone is racist to a certain extent. Well, that's right. That's right. But we've associated that with something so derogatory and yeah. so negative right. that – and we also have our fragility to reckon with <laughs> – that we take offense to it right. and shut down and don't listen. Yes. And and that's right. to, to that quote that I read. You know, when I'm talking about all white people are racist, I'm not talking about your character. I'm talking about your socialization. Yeah. And again, that's Desiree Attaway. I'll link to her in in the show notes. Okay, more stuff that you can do. Please take that implicit bias test. You can find, again, I'm going to put the the link in the show notes, but it's implicit.harvard.edu. You can be a part of protests. You can make calls. But here's where the big piece comes in. This is what I think is our big, big role in this matter is talking with our white friends and family. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> and it's Absolutely. it's hard. It's really, really hard. But I've also heard from various individuals with the Black Lives Matter movement that it really puts it into perspective. And, and they've said, like, if 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 we can be out here trying to prevent our sons and daughters from being shot, you can have tough conversations at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went, well, fuck, if that doesn't put it into perspective. It totally does. And so that's one thing that I've been feeling really, really convicted around. And I think it will definitely call for another episode. I would love to do that with another person who's an expert, perhaps, mm-hmm. around having these tough conversations with white friends and family. You know, we've danced around it a little bit today. Yeah. Obviously, I've talked a lot about communication, but I want to underscore that you might be their only opportunity to hear the other side. They may never associate with anyone of color. So they, <laughs> you might be the only beacon of light to yeah. express what is happening. Um, something that I've been kind of going up against with talking with people about these things is that I'm not an expert on it. Right. So Same. I feel kind of like imposter syndrome talking about it because I'm not black. Right. Right. But at the same time, I feel like if I come in with an open mind and I, my intention in the conversation is to open the mind of other people, yeah, uh, then I think there's a meeting place. But yeah. if you're just going to school somebody or you're just going to like educate them on how fragile they are or how right. blind they've been, um, you're not – you're losing an opportunity by doing that. That's right. For you and for the other person. I love because you can both grow. I love that, that you brought that up because that's one of the things that I've I've said a lot with my classes is mm. I cannot s- speak on behalf of all BIPOC. 
Right. Like I, no one can. I, no one can. Right. But here's what I can tell you I've been hearing as I've been learning or as I've been studying or as I've been listening to various activists. Here's what I've been learning and imparting Mm -hmm. that. Yes. And, and, and coming from that place. Right. But also, I think to your point, one of the questions that you can ask yourself is how would I respond to me if That's I was on the one. receiving end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would I be receptive with the way I'm coming at that person? Sure. If I was talking to myself, would I want to hear me out? Absolutely. So it's saying things yeah. like, here's what I've been learning is a very open-minded intro. Right. Not like, <laughs> right? well, you don't get this and you didn't. Well, that's very shallow or that's yeah. super racist or that's yeah. your white supremacy exactly. or that. Because it's asking way too fucking much for BIPOC to be that rational and calm, right? (laughs) Right, right. Like we don't have that experience of of the abuse. Mm -hmm. So we can can be more calm. We have to take that privilege and use it. Right. Absolutely. All right. And I also recognized that there is something to be said about not feeling like the authority, not feeling like the expert. That's where your education comes in. That's where it becomes important that you start by reading reading a book. A couple of great ones are, so you want to talk about Race by Ijeoma Oluo, Me and White Supremacy by Leila Sayad. And I am so incredibly sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. I looked it up to see if I could, but <laughs> I couldn't find the right pronunciation. Ijeoma Oluo. Uh, that was first, so you want to talk about race. And then the other one was? Leila Sayad. Sayad? It's S-A-A-D. Uh, that's mm. me and white supremacy. Okay. Uh, How to be an anti-racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Put those in the notes. I'm going to put those cool. all in the show notes. Those uh, A handful of those, I believe, are also in that link of anti-racism resources. Yeah. So if all else fails, just start with that list and just <laughs> pick one book. One TED Talk, one something, one Who article. A TED Talk? Who was that guy we saw on a TED Talk? That guy kicked ass. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, How to Deconstruct Racism. Mm-hmm. One Headline at a Time. By Baratunde Thurston. Baratunde, yeah. He's he's really funny, too. He, he, he has a great delivery. Great delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are some resources. Again, we'll put them in the show notes. But I also wanted to end by asking all of you, what do you need the most help with? Mm. And I don't think that it's where to start because (laughs) this is kind of giving you that. There's plenty of places to know where to start. Read a book. Just start with one of those books. Just start there. And I was looking at how like some of them are sold out. Yeah. So you might have to. It's so encouraging. It's encouraging, right? So you might have to just find a book that isn't sold out (laughs) and not just pick one, but pick one that. But I mean, Audible, that can't really happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. What This is number six. What do you need help with? I want to bring in experts to help dismantle some of the, the terms that have been really challenging and maybe the things that, you know, like how we had felt in the past. Like, I don't want to speak up because I don't feel like I'm an authority. I don't think we need another white voice. I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. to ask this question. Yeah. I want to bring people in who specifically talk on these things. So I would love for you to go to thejoyjunkie.com slash justice and justice. share with me what what do you want to learn about? Where are your sticking points? Is it around conversation with family? Yeah. 
Is it around uh, specific terms? Is it around fragility and not really understanding that? Or uh, is it around self-help and how it relates to racism? I want to know what you want to learn about. So again, go to thejoyjunkie.com slash justice and keep an eye out. I'm definitely going to do I, – I don't know if it's going to be like a separate little series or or what it's going to be about i don't know if it's going to be just a regular part of the show yeah um i'm still unpacking what that actually looks like but yeah, yeah. so let's just do a quick review and we'll tidy this up even though we have a lot to work to do <laughs> <laughs> all right so number one it's not about winning at white number two uh just kind of sharing taking your responsibility for your own education and not turning necessarily to BIPOC in your life right now. It's a very different thing to pay for a class or to read a book. That, yes, do that. But don't ask every black person to tell you <laughs> about injustice. Number three, check your perfectionism as it relates to anti-racism. We're going to have to get things wrong and clean up our messes and, and grow. That's a part of being better and doing better. Number four, understand why this relationship is different. It's based in abuse. So- mm-hmm. Now that we are reckoning with the fact that we are a part of the abuser, we need to take responsibility for that. Number five, look at what your role is in this matter. Pick one thing to get in action about. I suggest start by reading. That's one of the the easiest ways to start hearing other people's experiences and really start talking to those friends and family. And then finally, six, what do you need help with? Bring that to me at thejoyjunkie.com slash justice. <sighs> Thank you for we having this conversation with me. I know one yeah. of one of many. One of many. One yep. of many. Yep, yep. All right, guys. So for all of you out there who've tuned in, I just want to say thank you for acknowledging where you're at and start where you are. I appreciate so much that I'm seeing so much more mobility and action and awareness and incentive, um, or I shouldn't say incentive, initiative. And it's – I really feel like good things are changing. Good things are happening. Yeah. We have a lot of work to do. Absolutely. But thank uh, and, you for being part of that work. This is going to sound capitalistic and it's really not meant to be. I really think that if you want to do something, share this podcast with people. Yeah. White people. <laughs> white people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Share the podcast with white people so that they can get a little bit more woke too. Yeah. Uh, along with us. Yeah. Because we're learning too. Absolutely. So, yeah. And we've, I'm sure, made messes. So yeah. we're willing to to hear about that too. Yep. And um, I think that's it. Thank you for everything you added. We will see you around these parts next week. Here's to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Ms. Smith, out. <laughs> <laughs>